Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Proverbs chapter number 22, look at verse number 4. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. That's a pretty power-packed verse. You wouldn't think humility and fear of the Lord were associated with riches. We're talking about spiritual riches here, obviously. Uh, Look at this. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. And then verse number six, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a saying, parents, uh, we shouldn't, don't complain if you don't train. We went and saw a you know, horse trainer and he, and he said that, uh, you know, everybody wants to blame the horse. And it's not the horse's fault. It's most times it's the trainer's fault. She got hurt. So we need to be careful about complaining about our kids if we're not doing all we can do to train them. So training is the key. Um, And when you read this verse, can't you read it two ways? You can read train up a child in the way he should go as a warning. God warning us, hey, you better do this or else. But then you can read it as, which we've all heard before, as a promise. And he shall not depart from it. So when you read this verse, you've got almost two lenses that that you can look it through. The warning lens and the promise lens. Both are there. I believe both are biblical. But to train means to educate. It means to initiate. And people, just because you say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and you have southern manners or Christian manners, whatever that means, doesn't mean you're saved just because you live down south it doesn't mean you have the savior it's not like the bible belt gives you some special treatment um all that is is just roman catholicism repackaged we need to be careful of that people need to be trained and educated on what the gospel is so that they can truly trust the living savior so keep that in mind that people need we, we are going out, we're educating people, we're trying to get them to understand their need for a savior. And uh, God's not going to receive somebody because they were born down south or because they have good manners or because they repeated a prayer that they never meant or just talked into because someone had a nice potluck and it just felt real emotional. It, 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 God's not that impressed with that stuff. We are. But he wants you to know that you're a sinner, you need a savior. He is that savior. He made the way. He's the only way. And would you trust in him? But getting back to training our children, output is based on input. Whatever you put into your family, whatever you put into your children, that's typically what you're going to get out. To get a return on your investment only happens to those that are investing. You can't get interest if you're not investing any of your money. And there's many ways to do that. You talk to a financial person, they'll all give you different ways, a variety of ways, but they're doing it. A lot of times there's many ways to train our children. As long as we're following the biblical principles, it might look a little different. Your home, it does my home based on a lot of factors. But the idea is that we are training them based on 
biblical principles. Get Matthew chapter 6, and we'll look at some of those principles. If you notice, over the last three, I guess this is the fourth week, I haven't done a lot of, well, do this and don't do that. Because I believe, I really, just from seeing so much, I really believe that if we get our hearts right, the do's and don'ts messages fall in place a lot easier. And I think sometimes we put the cart before the horse and we try to make it about do's and don'ts and the heart isn't behind it. So I'm trying to get us all focused in on the heart issues of the family. And in Matthew chapter six, verse number five, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We don't wish upon a star. We pray. We don't look to horoscopes. We pray. But guess who else prays? Hypocrites. And I've been guilty of this. I don't know if you have as well. I pray just because I'm hungry and I know that nobody can eat until we say a prayer. <laughs> Has anybody else ever done that? My heart's not into it. Yeah, amen. Uh, and we need to be careful of that, that we don't create this pattern of, look, we're all sinners. We're all going to make mistakes. We're never going to make it on our own. We know that. But we need to be careful. We don't have this pattern of hypocrisy in our prayers because the hypocrites pray too. And Jesus is calling out, calling them out on it. You don't need a closet in your house. It'd be nice to have one, but you need to go and pray and really get with God and nobody sees it but God. You know what the idea is? The hypocrites wanted to be seen by men. But by the way, you can pray on the street. It's just the motive here was they wanted to be on the street to be seen. Anybody ever been on the road where there's been an accident and you say to your family, Hey, why don't we just pray real quick? Or you just, you know, you pray. I mean, you don't bow your head and close your eyes, right? But you still pray. Hey, Lord, pray that, you know, you'd watch over those medical helpers and get them there quick and preserve that person's life. Send a gospel witness. We've all done that. We're on the street. You can pray. What did the hypocrites want to do? They just wanted to be seen. And so we need to be careful that we don't give this hypocritical attitude to prayer to our families or children where we're just doing it. Just to get it done. Should be some heart motive behind it. We can't get more excited. Oh, let's blow out candles. Let's make a wish. Let's do all these things that have nothing to do with the Bible. And okay, great. All right, so you don't do that. But when you pray, it's just, yeah, yubba-dub-dub, let's eat some grub. It's not, it's just not, it's nothing. It's nothing to God. He's so much more of that. It says we pray without ceasing. We want our kids to dare to be a Daniel, pray three times a day and all this and, you know, not bow down to images and, and, and all this. But, you know, mother and father, how many times are we on our knees in prayer? How many times are we on our bed in prayer? How many times are we sitting around the table or sitting in our living room, gathering around the Bible and a devotional book rather than the TV or the computer or the cell phone? This thing is more than just I know what to do to fit into the Christian clique. And I so want us to be a church that isn't a click church. We're not the click club. 
where everybody knows what I to dot, what T to cross. And so kids see through that. They want authenticity and they see through they see through the fakeness. They just don't say anything until they get older. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I don't want to be like that. But I'm telling you, I'm like that at times. I'm like that at times. And I, I need to be careful that I'm not I need to be more or less hypocritical. Let's get Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. And so our first point is we need to pray, not hypocritically. And our, our third point, our, our second point this morning is <clears throat> we need to mortify our members. Colossians chapter three, verse number five, the, Bob, the Bible says, well, look at verse four. When Christ, who is our life, is Christ your life? People say, oh, get a life. I got a life, Christ. I've got eternal life. What kind of life you got? Shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Verse 5, we're going to look at mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. Every boy, every girl, every man, every woman will be magnetically pulled towards sin. It's almost like we're a magnet. And the sin is the other part of the magnet that attracts it. Boom. That's what it feels like. That's why Christ came and got, died, paid for our sin. But so now what we got is the indwelt Holy Spirit. And now we live in this body of flesh that isn't saved and it keeps getting pulled towards sin. We have to mortify our members. Isn't it easy to not sin when you get everything you want? Man, I really like that song. I don't sin. Man, my wife was really great to me this week. I don't sin. Wow, my kids behave so well. That's that's just great. And uh Oh, I got that perfect job. The interview, it just went smooth. And you don't sin. Isn't it easy to not sin when things go great? It's when things don't go great that we sin because we realize that, well, our flesh isn't getting the desires that it wants. And I struggle with it as much as anybody else. And we need to mortify our members. If we don't, you are going to be more likely to get caught in, which verse 5 says, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. We have a problem today with so-called Christians or Churchianity, modern day evangelicalism, whatever term you want to use. But their statistics on fornication isn't much better than the world's. All these programs, all of these teen activities, all of these youth things don't seem to be giving the results that you would think would be given. Teen pregnancy on the rise, teen fornication on the rise, unwed uh, boys and girls doing things they ought not do that should be saved for the marriage bed. And all of that is happening in Christian circles. On one hand, we can say, well, that's what we expect from the world. After all, that's public school, isn't it? Well, it's happening in Christian school. 
Well, that's what you expect from Christian school. We homeschool. Well, it's happening in homeschool. Because we don't mortify our members. We don't pray. We're hypocritical. All the stuff that we already talked about. Family came to my mind. Some telling us about a while back that, you know, grew up in church, homeschool. Well, grew up in all a bunch of different churches because no church is ever good enough for dad. But then, you know, homeschool and dad was the the authoritarian, no room for grace. Kids, you know, daughter flew the coop doing her own thing. Don't want anything to do with God, church or anything. Whose fault's that? It's not God's. Some of it isn't hers. It's dad's fault. It's mom's fault. They knew enough Bible to drown themselves and sink their own kid into sin. I'm telling you, this stuff happens. You want to try to preserve yourself from getting caught up in sin by saying, well, I do this. or We just need to be careful. We need to mortify our members and remember that people say, well, what else is it saying here? Inordinate affection. You know what inordinate means? Not in order. It's out of order. It's against nature. Romans 1. It's leaving the natural use. It's unseemly. That's Romans 1. That's the LBGTQ queer agenda. It's inordinate affection. Well, that's the world. Is it? Because there's Christians that are saying that this is okay. Let me rephrase that. So-called Christians that are calling this okay. It's like the science. It's science falsely so-called. I believe in science. But I don't believe in science falsely so-called. And I believe in affection, but this inordinate affection, it's against God, it's against nature, and it's coming up into Christian circles, so-called. How does a church march in a parade that is parading around sin using the rainbow colors, which they stole from the Bible? How does that happen? We have not been taught to mortify our members. And so people read in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness. You know how much dirt, just dirty mouths, dirty mouth, dirty. I was listening to something on the ride home last night. We had a great busy weekend of, of working in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We did a great tournament. We broke every child labor law there was to break. But the kids did a great job working. And uh, I don't know if you're supposed to say that on the live stream or not, but they worked. They did a great job. And so my wife and I were listening to something on the way home, thought it was just fine. But and then they slipped something in there. I'm like, really? You're going to say that? Because people have foul mouths. They have dirty mouths. And it's just wrong. But we read that. We say fornication. Well, I don't do that. And I've never done that. Well, praise God. I'm glad you haven't. Uncleanness. I don't have a dirty mouth. I don't. Oh, praise God. Inordinate affection. Ooh, that's gross. I would never. Evil concupiscence. Fine. Covetousness. Now that one is right there in the same list with all the stuff that you said and I said we're against and wouldn't do. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'll just bring my hand up and say I've coveted. Have you? God says that's idolatry. And aren't we good at picking out the sins of others? I mean, I do it. 
I'm good. I'm good at that. That's my gift. I'm good at looking at the modern. We got all the programs. We got all the the, the, the junk. We got all the jazz. We got no Bible truth. And I, mean, I, I, I can just blast them. I'm good at that. What's your preacher's spiritual gift? Blasting other people. <laughs> oh, really? I'm going to go there. But I need to be careful, and I'm asking you to be careful of covetousness. I've driven by these big churches, and I've thought, man, I wish I had some more people. <laughs> I wish the Lord would send some more. Have you done that? I have. Wouldn't it be great? Now, are we, are we praying about these things, or are we just coveting what God said? God said don't covet, and that is idolatry. But you know what we're good at? We can take something, we can spiritualize it. We need to be careful. Last uh, couple of thoughts on that. Idolatry. Do we know more about the sports heroes and the music stars than we knew of, that we know about the Bible? Proverbs 3. And let's get that. Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 29. Simple passages. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's start at verse 5. And all the young people can read it along with me because you all know this verse. And if you don't have your Bible there yet, you know the verse. So let's hear it. Proverbs chapter 3. All the young people read together. Verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And if you don't do what God tells you to do in this principle, sin is going to multiply. And if you do obey this, sin will be in the minus in the subtraction category. But we want to acknowledge our ways. We want to direct our paths. And if you're type A, type alpha, or type, you know, ADD, which is what I am, I don't know what all that means. I just know what I've read and what people have told me. It means that uh, I want to direct my own way. <laughs> That's what it means, really. And we need to be careful that we don't get too high on our horse because the Lord is going to buck us off. We need to acknowledge him practically. Search your heart right now and you figure out where the Lord would have you acknowledge him. Look at Proverbs 29. I'm talking about simple principles for the family. Simple, simple heart conditions, heart issues. And this is where the family begins. It's This is the heart of the matter. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. And I'm not going to preach on that this morning. I'm going to preach on what it says after the semicolon. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. If you leave a child untrained, it will just multiply itself. Now, moms, have you heard this before? Dads, have you heard this before? 
because we, we heard this 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 past weekend. We're on this tour. Someone said, "You know, we've never seen children work so hard and behave so well." And it was a blessing to them. They were they were given a compliment. Now, how many of you parents have ever heard that before? You all have. And you know what you say to your spouse? <laughs> We're glad they behave public. <laughs> have you ever said that? I mean, it's a blessing. They didn't knock down everything in, in Publix or Walmart, right? <laughs> you don't have spaghetti sauce all over the floor. And man, those little rascals. <laughs> I mean, isn't it a blessing that they wear each other out in the car? Isn't it a blessing that at the dinner table, you're throwing spaghetti at each other? Isn't it a blessing that when they go outside and play, sister hits brother in the nose with an elbow? Praise God that when they go out in public, they behave. I'm telling you, you got to just rejoice in the little wins. You can't expect your kids to be perfect. And I'm telling you, when you get a compliment, just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Someone came up to my wife and said, do you? Do you homeschool? And she's like, yeah, I, I do. I just kind of thought I knew that. And they, you know, so they're talking and all that. Aha! Look, fellas, we'll never figure out how ladies and, and moms pull all these things out of the air like that. How she, she, But she had her mom radar on or, or her homeschool radar on. And we don't have that. But praise God, somebody sees something in your family or sees something in your kid. And it's a blessing. It's part of our Christian testimony. Now, that person didn't get saved, but it certainly opens up a door for more communication. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You've got to hinder the left to himself part. And you've got to counteract that with time being spent together. I told you one to pray for someone. And this person is addicted to drugs and is living a horrible life because things were left unchecked and they got out of control. There was no hindering of certain things and there was no counteracting. It was a left to himself. When you leave your child to themselves, expect what we talked about in Colossians, fornication, Inordinate affection, covetousness, all, all the stuff we listed, idolatry, it's all there. Now, when you become an adult, you got to make your own choice. You can't blame everything on mom and dad. But mom and dad need to do their part. Get 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. If you don't already know this, let me give you a clear reminder. This world system is set up for confusion. It is set up on purpose to get your life in disorder. That is their go-to motive. Second Corinthians chapter number four, look at verse number three. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. That's why we preach. That's why we're going to be at the fair all week. We want that gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to be out there. In whom, verse four, the God of this world. That's a little G God, and it's not our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the God of this world, Satan. He hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why do people look at what they look at? Why do people listen to what they listen to? Why do people read what they read? Because their minds have been corrupt. Because the God of this world has gotten into their thoughts. And they got 
just a filthy, filthy mind needs to be cleaned up. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5. For we preach our family. For we preach our, no, we preach not ourselves. I'm telling you, on this fair, we're across from the Mormons, the Latter-day Saints, the, you know, the, the Magic Underwear Club, the, you know, we're, we're riding our bicycles, we're 20 years old and we're elders. You know, all, all this, we, we got all, we're, we're across from all of that. You know what they're preaching? Family. Brother Tom and I were talking about this before church. Everybody wants a happy family. Who don't want that? Except when you get in it, you don't realize all the other junk that your kids are getting taught. That's going to send them. They're going to just send the whole the whole family's on their way to hell. I don't want that. We need to teach doctrine. We need to teach truth. We need to clear out people's mind and the glorious gospel. can do that. Good people, well-intentioned people. Honest people, but lost. Proverbs 13, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You want your kids to have good companions. I'm going to tell you how the virus, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how the pandemic happens, how the virus spreads. It goes from parent to child, from child to brother and sister, from that family unit out into the society. To those folks becoming leaders in some business or some job in society and all of that spreads the pandemic spreads and it just influences the whole society what am i talking about not not the rona i'm talking about the companion of fools they don't want them, they don't want to do with the gospel they want everything to do with all the stuff we're told to mortify in colossians and this was the problem in the garden Adam and Eve were taking up companionship, which provided influence with Satan. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I'm telling you, a companion of fools is going to destroy your kids, your family. We need to be careful. Now, how do we couple that with the verse that says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Because part of it is, well, no, no kidding. Of course, our kids are foolish. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Of, of course, it's built up. Hence, the responsibility on us as parents. What do we say in the beginning? Don't complain. Train. You've got to train them. I've got to train them. They're going to do foolish things, and they've got to be trained out of it. You don't leave them to yourself. You don't just let them all be together all the time because it's going to turn into one big foolish mess. This is why we believe in when we do outreaches, when we do things with the church, we want the families to be involved. So it's not, yeah, sure, the kids run and play and they do their thing, but the overarching lens is, Moms and dads and everybody is there involved in some way, shape, or form. Kids go over to another kid's house. Parents, there better be some parents there. Oh, everybody good? All right. Amen. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm falling here. Titus 2. Let's get Titus 2. 
Titus chapter number two. Be a good influencer. Verse number seven, Titus two. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Can you live your life in such a pattern that the good works and the doctrine and, and just your sincerity, uncorrupted, all that sound speech, all of that, they've got nothing to bring up against you. That's what you can do. And be, just be a good influencer. Genesis 18. Look at verse 19. This is a great verse of scripture here. Genesis 18, verse number 19. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Abraham commanded his children. He will command his children. You know what that requires? Discipline. You know, that requires correction, training to sway their will in a line with what God wants. It's about convincing them otherwise. They want to leave everything out and not clean up. Mom's got an otherwise. <laughs> they want to run astray or do something that's not all to be done. Dad's got an otherwise. And to sway them to do what they ought not to do. Command the home. Misery comes from no training. I'm telling you. Every time. We get frustrated. And we get into this state of misery. Most times it comes. From chaos in the home. And we get frustrated. Don't complain. It's time to train. And some of that might be, right, we got to take a break. We got to regroup. We got to rethink. And now we got to get a plan together based on these hard principles. And let's see what we can do to convince and sway otherwise. Numbers 32, you don't have to stand, uh, turn there, but it says, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. Mold grows over time. Calluses develop over time. Josiah, when he had to get his foot stitched up, it's hard to get the needle through because of all the calluses. He didn't go outside and play one day and have his foot calloused over. It's consistent running and walking and jumping in the grass and in the woods and over the rocks and over the stream and through the weeds and climbing the trees day after day after day. And then he's got a nice thick foot of leather that you can't, you can't stitch through. But that, oh, that's over time that that happens. And sin over time is going to continue to develop. It's going to continue to grow. And you know what you're going to have? You're going to have a mind that is soaked with sin. And it just, you, you just get burnt out with it. Burn out. So finally, look at a few 
principles as we start to wind down. How do you educate and train? You need to start young. First Thessalonians 2 says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. It's tender and careful nurturing, train and nursing. When you train your little baby, it starts with putting something in their mouth. I mean, there's training there where that baby is taught to get nourishment. It's taught to get some gentle care. And this is why I think there's a tie in here with First Peter 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. That baby grows when it's getting that nourishment. We need to desire that nourishment with God's word. A true desire, not memorize the scripture. Although we want to memorize scripture, right? It's not, we'll just go pray. Well, okay, but the hypocrites do too. Thank you. Did my wife get a hold of you before church or something? <laughs> Praise God for kids. Unless, unless that was an adult's phone. <laughs> we were at a meeting and uh, the preacher the preacher gets up and he says, uh, we're sitting next to a preacher and a preacher's, preacher's wife right next to us. And so the preacher's doing the meeting. He gets up and he says, now, look, we want all you to turn off your cell phone, silence everything. We don't want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from anybody that's calling you. We want to hear from God at that time. The preacher's phone goes off, <laughs> and it's always the it's always the, the guy because you know you see the wife nudging him and trying to make sure nobody sees it. But anyway, anyway, that's the way it goes. Compassion, you know, what we need to have starting young with our kids. Passion, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion. And gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Is our God a compassionate God? Do we want our Do we want to point our kids to God and His compassion? We need to be that way. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. When they start long, don't wear them out. Give them encouragement. The Bible says here: counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Spiritual instruction, it needs to be received. Notice the Bible says receive instruction. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We looked at that this morning. Let's look at it once again. As you turn there, I'll read you Hebrews 4, but get your finger at 2 Timothy 3. Hebrews 4 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing sunder of the soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Second Timothy 3. Look at verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is proper for doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. Really furnished. Unto all good works. Let me say this. A wise son heareth his father's instruction. Fathers, you need to train your children in spiritual things. 
we see Timothy, he, his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice trained him in the scriptures. Mothers, grandmothers, you need to train your children in spiritual things and in the scriptures. Coming to church, the Bible says that the church was given pastors and teachers. Moms, grandmoms, fathers, you need to bring your children to a church house where believers, the assembly, the church gathers together and they receive instruction from pastors and teachers. You need all that, but not at the expense of them having their own personal study with the scriptures that is powerful and quick and can pierce their heart with truth. And this is what we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3. They need to believe and own and hold the scriptures. And that scripture will teach them. Go back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Look at verse number 12. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word. Speak pure words, families. In conversation, talk about clean things. In charity, we should have love for one another. In spirit, in faith, and in purity. Let no man despise thy youth. And then we're given this how to be an example. In the midst of, in the midst of this, look at verse 1. Seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Look at verse 2, hypocrisy. Look at verse 3, all these commanding against God. You can't eat this, you can't marry. Look at verse 5. By the word of God in prayer is how we're sanctified. Look at verse 6. Where does nourishment come from? Good doctrine. Look at verse 7. Old wives' fables have no place at all in the Christian life. Verse 10. Christ is the Savior of all. So with all that said, now be an example. Verse number 12. All of these are heart matters if we can get a hold of. Our families, our church, everything will be better for it. Last thing I'm going to say is this. I truly believe that your family and my family needs active participation in a good Bible-believing New Testament church. I think you all know where I'm going to go with this, so I'm not going to go there. Well, maybe for a minute. He's going to tell us we need to do public evangelism. Yes, I am, and I've told you that. But that's not what I'm going to talk about, because even though that is the most boldest command. And even though being the most boldest command, it's the most neglected command of the church at general. I'm not going to talk about that. Because there is more. To the Christian life than just evangelizing, although I want you to do more of it. There's more to the Christian life than just witnessing the lost, although. I think we should be amping it up more and more every week. You know, you know that. So look at first Peter chapter four. I want your active participation to be more than just evangelism. Although I think it should be there. Look at first Peter four, verse number nine. Watch this. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, what do you think when you read this verse? 
wouldn't you think that without grudging doesn't even need to be there? Who does hospitality grudgingly? Apparently, there's people that do. I mean, ladies, when you have somebody over and you're going to be hospitable, what is it, to have a bad time? <laughs> what is it, to be grudgingly? Like, I don't get that verse. And then I think about it, and I'm like, well, it's got to be because people are just getting together out of habit, and they don't care to be there. And so God mentions it, which you would think, why would you have to mention without grudging with hospitality? It should go without saying you should be cheerful. You should be welcoming. Well, hello, I guess I have to greet you. Welcome to Pilgrim Baptist. I guess that's what it is. We're just doing what we got to do because that's what we think is expected. But God doesn't want that. Active participation in a local assembly means you're actively involved in hospitality. And the root word of hospitality is hospital. Look, we're all sick. We all need some help. We can all get better with each other. Romans 12 says, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. We need to stop being on the lookout for whatever it is we need to be on the lookout for. <laughs> I mean, I warn people more than anybody, but. I mean, good night. We got to look for some good too. We got to look for some hospitality too. Let us do good unto all men. You know what it says in Galatians 6 when we preach through that? Especially unto them who are the household of faith. We can get real sour. All we do is pass out tracts. All we do is witness to the lost. All we do is do all that. But we never get together in fellowship and have some hospitality one to another. We need that part too. And if you do that, I believe your family will be better for it. Last verse. Did I say the last verse was going to be the last one? The one before that? Okay, this is really the last one. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It's only 1201. Um, the Golden Corral has got plenty of food. Just clear the door because Sister Caroline's going to be... She heard Golden Corral. She's going to be the first one out. <laughs> I'm only kidding. First Peter chapter 3. Verse number 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Yes, you should be a pitiful Christian. Be courteous. No, pitiful means you're full of pity. You have a heart that's full of compassion for those that are suffering. You have a heart full of compassion for those that are going through some tough time. You're pitiful. You're full of pity. In other words, you are willing to become insignificant. You are willing to become small to care for somebody else. And, and, and be courteous. Number, number nine, not rendering evil for evil. That's so easy to do, though. Someone tells you off, you want to tell them off. But con uh, railing for railing. Someone rides me off the rails, I'm going to ride them off the rails. Somebody gets on my back, I'm going to get down their back. Just going to be railing on them. It's easy to do. God says don't do it. But contrawise blessing. 
knowing that you're there to there unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. The best way as we close, for the, at least this point, is to be a family that's willing to give a blessing. And in, and in giving a blessing, guess what you get? You get a blessing. You give a blessing, you get a blessing. That's the way it ought to be. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.